We don't do blue sky research, we do red dirt research, right at the dirty end of implementation. COVID-19 has shown a bit of a spotlight onto agriculture and the potential for technologies to, to assist the ag industry. I mean, Labour is a huge issue in this area, so things like robotics suddenly become much more attractive to, to farmers. When a startup has got a product that, that's gone to market and is now ready for adoption, how can we support industry to test it out and if it's applicable, adopt it and get the value from it. Welcome to Impact, a Seek University podcast where our experts unpack their latest research in easy to understand language. We discover how these researchers are creating solutions to some of the world's most complex challenges. Subscribe now to Seek University podcast so you don't miss an episode and join the conversation on Seek University's social media. Hi, welcome to Impact. I'm Jocelyn Sticklin and today I'm speaking with Professor Phil Brown, the Director of the Institute for Future Farming Systems at Seeky University and also Associate Professor Simon White. Phil and Simon have been instrumental in the establishment of a new multi-million dollar ag tech initiative in the Bundaberg and Wide Bay region, which is being funded as part of the Commonwealth Government's Hinkler Regional Deal. The AgTech initiative will allow research, technology and industry to intersect, paving the way for industry advancement and establishing the Bundaberg region as a key destination for the development, testing and implementation of new agricultural technologies. Phil and Simon, can you tell me a little bit more about the AgTech initiative and the new AgTech hub? Yeah, sure, Jocelyn. Um, so the Sika University Institute for Future Farming Systems is our, our flagship agricultural research institute, um, and it's got a focus on undertaking innovative uh, research on innovative agricultural practices that will have a, an impact on the um, productivity, profitability and sustainability of agricultural industries. So as you can imagine, um, new technologies, ag tech, that plays a part in that, is a big part of, of what we already do in our research. So when um, the Hinkler Regional Deal was announced and agriculture was identified as a priority within that initiative, uh, we thought that um, there'd be a really good program we, we could um, support that would position the Wide Bay Burnett region, the, the Bundaberg area, as a, a real showcase for, for where AgTech can work. So can you tell me a little bit more though, why here in Bundaberg you just mentioned why it was so important for this region? Yeah, so perhaps many people don't recognise the size, um, scale and diversity of agriculture in the region. Um, so the Wide Bay Burnett as a whole um, has around um, $600 million worth of agri- agricultural farm gate production every year and it's a really significant employer um, of, of the, the local workforce. Uh, in the region we've got about 50% of, of Queensland's nut crop production, around 30% of the, the vegetable production, 30% of citrus and other um, tree fruit crops, and we're also of course a major producer of sugarcane and, and, and even beef cattle in the, um, the, the Burnett region. So you've got big scale and diversity of agricultural production in a relatively small region. In addition to that, there's probably around 20 horticultural crops that are valued at over $2 million a year of farm gates at a significant scale. That diversity of crops doesn't exist anywhere else in Australia. And because it's not just the production, we've also got a number of major companies that are in the food processing and um, value-adding um, space. So, so we've got innovative um, activity already happening in the region. 
So can you tell me a little bit more about why it is such a successful agricultural region? I guess when you live here, you know it's God's own country. Um, so we have a, a really wonderful climate. Um, the winters aren't particularly cold. Um, rainfall um, is relatively um, high, um, but spread throughout the year. So with with irrigation schemes, we've got access to, to water, good good climate, and, and in the Bundaberg region, some fantastic soils. So those things together make it an ideal environment for growing crops. Um, because of the climate, we can grow crops pretty much all year round, and that that's a big difference from many other parts of the country. So that, that's probably the reasons that we've seen a, a big agricultural sector established here. So can you guys tell me a little bit more about the sorts of activity that will be delivered through the Ag Tech Initiative, and more specifically, what sort of work will happen at the Ag Tech Hub? So our Ag Tech Initiative is really um, focused on uh, the industry adoption of Ag Tech. Uh, so we, we've divided it up into to three programs. Um, one program called the Implementation Program, that's the one that Simon leads. Um, that's where most of our energy goes. It's trying to um, match make ag tech products and services with local producers, um, give the producers an opportunity to test out the products and if they work well, hopefully adopt them and, and, and use that as a driver for Im improvements in productivity and profitability. Um, the second program is our data-rich landscape program, and that's where we're investing in um, basic, uh, developing new data sets and, and capturing the existing data sets to have as a resource that will make it more attractive for ag tech companies to come and work with us in the region. And the third area is our information and education program, uh, where, where we're trying to um, provide the, the, the knowledge of ag tech to our farming community and in an education space, try to make uh, ag tech a part of, of school curriculum um, so that we can encourage more people in the region to understand ag tech and, and hopefully play a role in that industry as, as uh, agriculture develops. So are you saying there as well that education information part of it, is that also a way to maybe attract more people into a career in agriculture as well? Certainly that's one of the spin-offs that we would see from this program. Um, so um, our main intention with the, the funding we have from the federal government is to uh, stimulate local economy, both from getting ag tech companies to operate in the region and, and having industry adopting ag tech to improve their, their bottom line. Um, but of course, if we've got a really vibrant ag tech environment, um, that's going to require skilled people to, to contribute. It's, it's new technology, there's new things in, in the farming systems. Um, so our university is very well positioned to then provide some of that support to, uh, to allow the industry to grow. Uh, so definitely through our engagement with schools and our promotion of ag tech, we would see spin-off opportunities in the education space for CQU. Now you also spoke there um, about engagement with industry and those partnerships with industry. How critical are those partnerships to make something like this a success and how do you establish those sorts of partnerships? Yeah, that's a really good question and I guess that's probably the thing that makes our university and our institute a little bit different to a lot of other agricultural research institutes in that we, we really see our space as, as doing research at, at that industry adoption end, not the not the blue sky research. Now Simon expresses it as, you know, we, we don't do blue sky research, we do red dirt research. So we're right, right at the, the dirty end of, of implementation. Now if you're going to do that, you have to understand industry. You've got to 
work in really close partnership with industry because it's not the things that we're interested in from research that, that need to be done, it's what the industry see are required for them to be able to utilise technologies and, and new approaches that research can deliver. A lot of the ag tech investment and that the hubs are promoting it uh, goes into the R&D around new technologies, uh, new services. So it's the, the start-up end of the spectrum, um, whereas I guess we, we want to pick up when a startup has got a product that, that's gone to market and is now ready for adoption, how can we uh, support industry to test it out and if it's applicable, adopt it and get the value from it. Um, from an ag tech point of view, the real, if we, if we want to look to the future and the importance of ag tech, let's, let's look to the, let's look to history first. You know, we've had three main revolutions in terms of agriculture. If we look back in time, the first revolution was really us going from hunter-gathering to settlement agriculture. We then had the industrial revolution, which rapidly ramped up our production capacity with the use of labour and land and mechanisation. We then had the green revolution, which was advances in genomics and breeding and fertiliser and pesticides. Ag tech is now being talked about and considered as the, the fourth revolution. It's the next step which is going to push us further into the future in terms of our production capacity. And in the terms of a global environment with an increasing global food requirement, you know, we think we can meet that demand with the technologies that are coming on board and are, at this stage, some of which are commercially available. I think it's been really interesting too that um, COVID-19 has shone a bit of a spotlight onto um, agriculture and the potential for technologies to, to assist the ag industry. I mean, labour is a, a huge issue in this area, so things like robotics um, to, to minimise labour requirements in, in ag systems suddenly become much more attractive to, to farmers. Uh, the environment's really important. Great Barrier Reef impacts of agriculture is uh, certainly um, one that's, that's um, in the media. The utilisation of the inputs into agriculture to reduce the risks to the environment um, therefore are in the spotlight and again technology um, provides a mechanism where we can most efficiently use the inputs that are required for productivity in ag systems and minimises the environmental risks. So you just mentioned before um, robotics um, could be a way to respond to issues that are impacting the industry. So for example the reduction in the number of pickers and packers that are working on farms. Can you give me some examples, like how would robots or robotics be used in the farming process? Would they be used to, to pick fruit and vegetables or to pack them or for both? Yeah, I think both and, and more. Um, and I guess when people think robots, then, you know, the, the brain all goes to, OK, we have a robot running up and down the, the trees picking all the fruit. That's probably the, the hardest bit to get right. Um, some of the simple stuff, um, so for example... Um, we're looking at some um, uh, insect, pest insect trapping systems um, where the technology in the trap will um, report back you know, via an app on your phone how many pests are, are, are in your crop. Uh, so at the moment the farmers are um, putting manual traps out in, in crops and then maybe once a week, a couple of times a week, someone has got to travel around the farm, count how many insects are in the trap and report that back. Now the automated ones, no one has to do that. Um, so you've already cut the, the labour requirements in your system. Um, things like um, 
mapping of fruit load in an orchard and, and the fruit maturity uh, stages in, in, in an orchard allow you to um, optimise your harvest input. If you know you're coming into a crop where there's not much fruit in the crop, you don't need to put on a big, big crew of, of pickers to, to get through that crop. So lots of, lots of examples like that where technology can just reduce the, the labour requirements without completely eliminating it. Yeah. And I guess the, the flip side for agriculture, everyone gets a bit concerned when you talk about minimising labour in agriculture. I think what we're going to see is a shift from the labour being used for you know, low-skilled purposes like driving around the farm counting insects in traps and it'll shift to the support sectors, so that the guys that are developing the AI systems for um, discerning particular insects in traps, um, the, the electronics, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the engineering that goes into robots and so on, um, there's going to be, a, I think, a, a big increase in the employment opportunities in those service sectors around ag tech that'll more than make up for the, the, the loss in um, low-paid, low-skilled manual operations on farms. Phil's correct in what he's saying, and I think the, the important point, additional point to make is the one that it's an evolution. It's not like technology wasn't there to yesterday and it's here today. If, if you know, you've talked about robots and picking in an orchard and that sort of thing, if we look at post-harvest and processing in factories, there's quite a degree of automation that's already gone in over the last 10, 15 odd years. Improving efficiencies, reducing labour requirements, we're looking at identifying blemishes and so forth in fruits. You know, that's, that's pretty, pretty well standard now in a lot of larger processing side of things. The interesting bit is in the next 10, 15 years on from here, how much of that stuff's going to be in the field and in orchards that we're going to just take as granted, which doesn't exist now or isn't commercially available. So um, can you tell me, um, aside from the benefits to industry, what are some of the benefits the AgTech initiative and the AgTech hub will deliver to the Bundaberg Wide Bay region? Do you see the region almost becoming a destination for producers and tech companies to come to develop new technologies or to implement new technologies? Yeah, so, so while, while we're putting a lot of emphasis here on the, the end users, the producers, uh, because ultimately the, the, the money <laughs> that, that, that buys the ag tech is going to come from the farming sector, um, the, the broader objective, I guess, is to make the region um, attractive to ag tech companies. Um, so in the same way that we currently have representatives from uh, several of the world's largest uh, chemical and input supplying companies being based in Bundaberg, we'd like to have representatives of the major ag tech companies as that sector grows, having a base in, in Bundaberg. And certainly there's no reason why we wouldn't also have um, headquarters for ag tech companies being based in the region, um, because we've certainly got the manufacturing capacity and again COVID I guess is pushing us to say well let's support and develop that capacity within Australia. Um, people are also recognising that um, uh, you can work from regions, you don't have to be in a, in a capital city so, so maybe uh, a, a, an attractive regional area like this one um, yeah. could, could be one where, where people would want to, to base their, their workforce. And of course the types of jobs that go with the ag tech sector are um, higher skilled jobs and so from a development of a region perspective um, the, the types of, of jobs and careers that you can set up that, that attract um, the higher skilled people that really does help to drive your regional economy. 
And I think Henkler as a region is, is quite lucky in, in the fact of the diversity of agriculture it's got. So we, we're, not, we're not monoculture by any means. We've got a quite a, a wide array of different industries to work at. So we can be quite inward-facing in terms of the project and the benefit to the growers, but we can be quite outward-facing in terms of the opportunity for the region in terms of marketing the region nationally, globally, as an area where ag tech companies might like to come and set themselves up as a training ground to actually you know, implement those sort of technologies. But one of the biggest challenges for ag tech companies is often the founded started by, by people who don't have an agricultural background. Um, and so for those people to engage with industry, um, there's, there's a little bit of a, a barrier for them. Um, farmers get a lot of people knocking on the door saying, hey, would you like to buy my next brand of snake oil? So they are a bit reticent to engage with lots of, lots of new companies. Um, if we can establish this region as one where farmers are willing to engage with you know, legitimate e- enterprises, then that makes it a, a destination. Of, mm. uh, and uh, not just engage, but also inform some of these new technologies as well. Yeah, that's, that's right. So if, if you're an ag tech company and you've got farmers that know about ag tech and know how it fits in farming systems, and if you're working here, well, you, you've got that knowledge um, to draw upon to help you to... Um, to make sure your product is really ready for market when when you're launching. Enjoying this episode? Subscribe to Seek University's podcasts on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, rate, review and share. So what do you see the initiative delivering to the region? Where do you think this could potentially go? Yeah, my vision is, is this region being a, what we describe as a, a vibrant um, ag tech ecosystem. So we've got farmers who are using ag tech, we've got ag tech companies um, producing and selling their products and services. You've got um, an innovation environment where people who are interested in developing new technologies would come and, and, and um, play a part. We'd have the educational system providing the skilled labour that, that goes into supporting that that sector um, where, where our institute fits in, we'd have um, really good quality research supporting the development and implementation of, of ag tech. Um, so, so this region being known as, you know, the, the way we describe it, it's the, the place where ag tech works. Um, so we're not just playing around with, with innovations in the, in the, the ivory tower. Uh, this is a region is where ag tech is being used. Uh, it's, it's actually working. So effectively, there really is like an opportunity to establish this region as a global leader in this space. Um, that's what we are certainly aiming for. There, there are uh, two or three other major hubs around the, the globe where um, you, you've got this sort of, I guess, natural combination of um, significant agricultural production area, R&D capability to, to support an innovation environment where there's you know, clearly people with smart ideas um, um, being involved and also access to capital to, to drive innovation. Um, we think, well, we've certainly got the agricultural sector, we think we've got the research capacity to support it, and I think through this initiative we'll, we'll gain the, um, the scale of, of activity that will attract the, the finance and, and the innovation environment. So the real opportunity outside of just the, I mean, we're, we're grateful for the federal government's support to set up the initiative, but if done well, we can leverage on that to actually much greater benefit in terms of all the individual components that Phil mentioned. Uh, we, it's not just the initiative, it's creating that, like Phil said, it's the whole ecosystem, it's the environment. And if we do that in a sustainable way and it generates 
itself, you know, it'll get its own momentum where we'll have that environment that we're looking for in the next five to ten years. But I think one thing to add to that is I think if we try and predict what's going to be there in five to ten years, I won't be disappointed if we don't fully predict what happens because if it's done well, I think there's going to be more happening than what we didn't realise. You know, we can implement a technology based on a solution we think we, a problem, sorry, that industry has. We might find through doing that, and we have in the past with certain things, where we solve one problem, but we've actually addressed three other problems at the same time. So we start pulling all this stuff together in terms of data analytics and sensor and what we start measuring, we actually leverage on it and get further benefits to more so than what we ever thought we would. Yeah, that's certainly the case, and I think also um, in solving one problem that may identify three more opportunities that go in, 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 uh, into that, that farming operation. I think if you think of a farms as a as a, a system there's a whole bunch of moving parts that that sort of working in sync for it to to be effective and you throw one new thing in there um, and the whole thing needs to juggle around a little bit to, to to work and if you throw that one new thing in that might identify some additional things that that wouldn't have worked before but now will work because you've got that one new part in there it's a change in mindset you think about the henry ford comment about if I asked people what they wanted they would have said a faster horse you know it's not until that new technology comes on that you can really and actually get the opportunity to use it to test it they actually realize what the real true benefit of it is. So Phil and Simon we just spoke about the five to ten year long-term vision for the ag tech initiative what are some of the things though in the next sort of six to twelve months that you'll be working on and that you expect to deliver? Um, so the project's been running for nearly three months now. Um, our starting point was to do an industry needs assessment. We want the projects, the, 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 the ag tech, to be driven by industry rather than us making decisions about what ag tech we want to force onto industry. So we've just completed our first round of industry needs assessment and we've started to identify some ag tech products and services that we think are a nice fit into, into that needs mix. Um, perhaps if I could mention a couple of the technologies that we're looking to, to trial and we're likely to be trialling in the next few months. Um, firstly, there's a, an automated uh, pest insect monitoring system that, that has a, to be a camera in it um, and uh, artificial intelligence that can uh, scan the image being taken by the camera and identify a pest insect from other insects. We've done a trial run using that for detecting sweet potato weevil and we found that the traps are about 10 times uh, more effective in picking up sweet potato weevil than the conventional traps that industry use at the moment. Um, in addition, you don't have to go into the field to, to see how many weevils you've caught. It just pops up on the app on your phone when you've got um, weevils in the trap. Uh, another one is a um, a harvest bag technology uh, for, for a lot of fruit industries, um, when they're, they're picked by hand, uh, the, the pickers will pick into, into a bag and then they'll empty those bags into, into the bins and the bins will be taken into the pack shed. Uh, when pickers are being paid on what's called a piece rate, um, they'll be paid per, per kilo of fruit or number of fruit that they harvest. Of course, you can't have all of your pickers putting the fruit into, into the same bin because you have no way of figuring out who's, who's picked what. Um, so you've got lots and lots of bins sitting out in the orchard. They all get warm through the day while they're, they're filling up. That's not good for fruit quality. Uh, so this particular technology has load cells in, a, in the, the harness on the bag. And so the weight of the fruit is being constantly 
detected while the pickers are picking, so everyone can put their fruit into the same bag. Um, additional advantages with that, so the pickers are going up on a ladder, um, you probably don't want to be having too much weight in the bag when you're up on a tall ladder, it's an OH&S risk, so the little alarm can sound if you get above a certain weight. Um, because of the, the nature of the sensors, if someone falls over or, or stops moving, then that can send off an alarm to the supervisor to come and look out for that person. A third example of what will get rolled out over the next 6 to 12 months as a part of the data-rich landscapes theme is a weather station array. So across the, the Hinkler region, we were looking to implement a number of weather stations for a much finer grain resolution in terms of measuring key weather parameters. Um, currently technology exists where you can pull up the weather data on your phone. You know, it's based on the, on the bomb weather stations and what's currently available we can see the value in having a much greater scale in terms of what we can measure. So if we can get down to individual within the region forecasts as well as documenting what weather conditions are there, it has implications in terms of disease forecasting, prevailing wind for spraying and those sort of things. So this particular technology would be more precise in terms of geographical location and predicting what's we're, going we're to happen? Correct, yes. So we're talking about physically installing a number of weather stations and across the region, so we've got a much finer grain in terms of what we're measuring. So we can start to take into effect orographic effects, individual fields and crops, far greater detail than could ever be done before based on the, the limited number of bureau stations that are available. From a weather station array point of view, we've now got a commercial drone operator here in the Bundaberg region. One of the limitations that he has currently is, is obviously his ability to fly is dependent on prevailing weather conditions. We're talking individual conditions within individual fields across our region. You know, a weather station array for him is quite valuable in terms of knowing what wind speed cloud cover there is in a particular region versus another. I think another example too with uh, weather station data is um, if we can get um, information that's relatively accurate at paddock scale, suddenly you can start looking at things like disease forecasting. Um, there are some, some good um, models that, that can be um, tested where based on the weather conditions um, you can look at the likelihood of a disease developing in the crop. Great. Thanks for your time today, Phil and Simon. I really appreciate you both telling us more about the AgTech initiative and the fantastic new AgTech hub out at Bagara. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. To find out more about how CQ University is changing lives through real-world research, check out our website in the description. And remember to subscribe to CQ University podcasts so you don't miss an episode.